0: Jimmy Stewart ends up with two broken legs. This is Spoilers. spoilers. Welcome to Spoilers, Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window Edition. My name is Pappy, recording from Denver, Colorado. And today with me are two of my favorite voyeurs, starting with... A man who, much like the antagonist of this film, drinks but not to drunkenness and pays his bills promptly. Developerpodcastboats.com <laughs> is Vince the Intern.
1: Hey, you don't know my bill activity, but uh, yeah, this is Vince the Intern, also here in Denver, Colorado. And i just checking in on you. That was my best bill, Burr, and that was really bad.
0: Oh, that's what that was. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: Yeah, that uh, terrible cat <laughs> screeching we can
0: definitely get rid of.
1: Let's blame it on Chubbs.
0: Yeah, Chubbs is freaking out right yeah, now. Yeah, jeez, uh, <laughs> And then, uh, last but not least, a man who, like Clearance Clearwater Revival once sang, is always looking out his back door. It's Josh. How's it going, Josh?
2: Hello. I guess you could say I can fall out of a window better
0: than Jimmy Stewart. Something to strive for. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. Uh, and that's it. Uh, you may notice that it's a pappy episode, so we're down <laughs> everybody because no one wants to be on it. Hey, but, be honest, I didn't want to be
1: on it. I just felt bad because there's going to be no one else. I'm
0: kidding, there is me. a <laughs> thanks, 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 bud. Yeah, no problem. There is a ray. <laughs> there is a ray of sunshine, uh, sunshine of sunshine. <laughs> uh, producer Stevie, who's known for phoning in his reviews, uh, quite literally and metaphorically. Did it literally this time and dodged the spoiler's Highlight line, and left <laughs> us reviews. So uh, <laughs> if we remember, we'll play that at the end and then uh, give our thoughts on what he said. That's 903-spoil-07. Um, but let's How jump right, right into – kind of <laughs> what was that? <laughs> well, since uh, he's
1: not on the episode to defend himself, we all have to shit on his opinion. The phone. Oh, now. it's going
0: to be bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be rough. <laughs> But uh, let's just jump right into it. I mean, this is a classic movie, so if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to take the time to step through the plot with you. This is spoilers, so assuming that you've seen it, what I do want to step through, though, are the main characters of the movie, Mm -hmm. uh, starting with the people who are actually in the apartment that serves as the bottle piece. Uh, So the whole movie takes place from Jeff Jeffries, rest in peace, apartment uh, who's a camera bum who never has more than a week's salary in the bank, played by Jimmy Stewart. Uh, he's the one who suspects a murder plot's going on while he's recovering from a broken leg and staring out his rear window. Uh, he's joined by Stella, a home care nurse who claims to be psychic. No, this isn't Daphne Moon from Fraser, And she is a no-nonsense wisecracker uh, whose premonitions actually start to come true when the plot heats up. Uh, his love interest is the three-named Lisa Carol Fremont, She's a Park Avenue socialite Grace played by the princess, of, the princess of Monaco, Grace Kelly. Uh, and uh, Her character comes from old money, but she's also successful. And then last but not least, you have Lieutenant Tom Doyle, uh, Jeff's war buddy and um, cop friend that he calls him to uh, investigate and aid in his little uh, amateur investigation. So I guess what did you guys think about these main characters, particularly the relationship between uh, Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly?
1: So, as you said, L.B. Jeff Jeffries is uh, a, a photographer, and it's, it seems to be like he's the best at whatever magazine or publication he's working for, and he's known for traveling the globe and doing uh, kind of crazy shots and, and putting himself in the thick of it. Um, and Grace Kelly comes from like old money uh, New York and is, I think, a, a, a dress saleswoman or like a fine garment uh, saleswoman, um, but she's more, she's cut from like a higher cloth, I suppose, and and James Stewart's like a uh, ex-military, um, everyman photographer, nineteen yeah. fifties stereotypical guy, I suppose. And so their relationship was really weird because Jimmy didn't think he was good enough for her, um, but she loved him deeply, which uh, is kind of your classic love story, kind of ish, I suppose. But um, yeah, their, their relationship was weird, and I think as Pappy mentioned, all the other main characters that were th- were within Jeff Jeffrey's, um bottled. Um, apartment a lot basically all the other conversations not between James Stewart and Grace Kelly were about the other characters telling uh, Jimmy Stewart Jeff Jeffries to marry her so it was kind of that Mm -hmm. resistance of he didn't want to settle down and didn't think that this high cut um, from a different cloth kind of girl would want to actually marry him when in reality she loved him deeply Um, it was very obvious and out in the open but uh, it was definitely a main theme because I think all the other side characters also were pushing him to be like, hey, you should marry her if you have any sense with her. Right. So it yeah. was a weird, weird relationship, I guess.
2: And one thing they didn't really bring up that I kept thinking about was age difference. And doing a quick wiki. Big time. Uh, Grace Kelly was 22, and I think he was 46. The oh, wow. math is
0: correct. So, one mm-hmm. we'll um, of our
1: best men on it. Yeah. <laughs> Get that math in. <laughs>
0: She's – I mean that's really young and then – I didn't notice that
1: difference though because I feel like older movies, men could be playing like a 40-year-old could play anything from like a high school senior to like a grandpa I feel like. But maybe that's just my ignorance which is very possible.
2: I felt like he seemed even older than that because he's wheelchair bound. He just Mm. kind of feels like an old stiff dude and
0: she's – yeah she's a babe young and let's face yeah, it. she
1: was she's very pretty <laughs> yeah she's
0: gorgeous yeah i mean and not only that her character itself it's kind of interesting because even though this is like what 1964 right i should probably know that since i'm the host but even when though the, it's when like, the movie when, came out 54 yeah 54, 54. Yeah, yeah 50 so this is back in the mid 50s but she's also a career woman too like she's built up some sort of fashion empire obviously like piggybacked off the head start she had in life, but well, I mean, she's talking also about selling working like
1: yeah. $1,200 dresses and in 1954 mm-hmm. money, like how that's a lot of money, I would suppose. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, me
0: she's, li- she's living the life she's wearing. these. Yeah.
2: He made the joke that that's like worth putting on the stock market.
1: Yeah.
0: And then, uh, last but not least, the only one we haven't mas- mentioned, I guess was Stella. What did you guys think about her performance? She was played by character actress, Thelma Ritter, who's, uh, been in some stuff, I'm sure. Oh, I, I just
1: did the maths though and I want to say that $1,200 in 1954 and $2017 dollars adjusted for inflation is $10,770.20. That's
2: a saucy that's, dress.
1: That's a saucy dress. But um, Pappy, back to your question. Sorry there. Um, You're talking about the nurse, right? Or the insurance yeah, yep. lady nurse. So I thought that was kind of weird but also um, I think I've mentioned before I haven't spent a day in the 80s so I certainly haven't spent a day in the 50s. Like, like it was kind of interesting, I guess, to see how nurses act in that way. Like, she just basically came over and like got some oils on his back and massaged him, and then told him to get married and to drink a little bit less and to. It was kind of like more of like a motherly role. Um, and I think, Pappy, you you touched on her being wisecracking. Um, probably in the fifties, people would chuckle, but it was more kind of like I just smiled in my brain because I knew she was trying to be funny, but she wasn't actually funny. Um, but yeah, I think that goes back to her and around the theme of the the main two characters not being married and her kind of pushing him being like hey you should marry that beautiful girl. But that was my take on that.
0: Well a lot of her jokes even were kind of like old school uh gender roles whereas yeah. um Lisa is pushing feminism. Um You touched on something, too, though, to drink a little bit less. These characters get fucking lit all the time. (laughs) It's the 50s, baby. It's the 50s. Lieutenant Tom Doyle is always drinking and saying, like, borderline um, misogynistic stuff. And then, like, he'll always drop some, like, key piece of information, right, when he walks out the door. Like, oh, by the way. Oh, yeah. Like, dropping, Uh, (laughs)
1: like, oh, the wife um, sent this postcard
0: and she's there. Like, I got oh I open the open the chest yeah maybe. yeah he's a little bit of a
2: slow roller there kind of saving that key information till he's walking out the door He waited
0: so long <laughs> but uh now that we laid the main stage uh, what I really want to get into are the best part of the movie for me which is the neighbors that uh Jeff or Jimmy Stewart sees out his back window while he's recovering so uh I guess which ones do you guys remember that we can sort of talk about them as they? come up
1: okay we obviously remember the very 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 attractive girl like directly across his window
0: like she's like in his torso she's yeah
1: 2017 sexy like so she in like 50s she must have been like blinding i suppose because she's a gorgeous lady yeah but that was definitely, she
0: ends up a fat alcoholic i heard <laughs> that's what, what the neighbor <laughs> says right yeah yeah, that's yeah what i mean I, says, I think right? they're oh, yeah,
2: all yeah. super memorable i I think you can pretty much go left to right and be like, well, the the couple that moves in, the honeymoon couple, mm-hmm. the then, newlyweds, yeah, yeah. Then there's the that lady that Vince is talking about. Below her is like the old lady, and then
0: you have the lo- lonely heart. They call her, yeah, the crazy. No, boy. that's a different old lady. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. So directly below the really like fit ba- ballet babe. Is just like an old kind of crotchety lady, but then maybe like a
1: sculptorist too, like an artist. Yeah, yeah, she's making making a
2: piece Mm -hmm. of art kind of throughout the thing, and then yeah, it's called hunger. (laughs) (laughs) The lonely hearts, and then above, yeah. I mean, I think that was one of the most memorable parts too. Is that you really spied on these people throughout the movie, so you feel like you know them,
3: Mm -hmm. even though. And
1: And the way you said we spied or you spied. As, like, the viewer, I I would agree with that. It was almost like you were looking – like, it felt like it was you sitting in a chair. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and like, being pent up with a broken leg, like, looking at your neighbors. It felt really realistic. I think one thing I want to touch on um, with the opening panning shot, it shows all the neighbors except the salesman and his wife. So if you go back and rewatch that opening first scene, it pans right to left and shows the entire, like, courtyard in your, like – Inner block, I suppose, rear window of the block, Um, and it shows every single neighbor character other than the salesman and his wife, which I thought was Mm -hmm. really crazy after I rewatched it.
0: And we should say that the sales the salesman Lars Thorwald is the antagonist who murders his wife. Spoiler, um, yeah, (laughs) wow, off screen. Yeah,
1: (laughs) there's also what the uh, the striving um, pianist, the
0: the uh, songwriter, yeah, songwriter pianist, which which his role is really awesome because his apartment serves as the source of the music for the film in the is entire amazing. movie all of the all of the music it comes from a source so it's either uh, a radio or that apartment and he's playing the same song throughout the whole movie which he ultimately finishes and becomes the theme of the movie which is a really cool touch i thought
1: yeah definitely what is that called diegetic or diegetic non-diegetic we're like uh, the I think of the f- it's
0: di- Dianetics. It's a Scientology. <laughs> there, Fuck off.
1: No, you're wrong.
0: <laughs> no, it's, it's like
1: a lot of like um, um, uh, Quentin Tarantino movies are that way, like where the actual sound of any kind of, of uh, music is being played either through, you know, the radio, um, a live band, uh, um, music at a, uh, a restaurant or something like that. I think it's called non-diegetic where it's like actually but, like yeah. the source is within. We're trying to drop some knowledge in spoilers. In that
2: Remind you of maybe like a Beatles track. Maybe I'm thinking of Revolution number nine or uh Day in Ugh. the Life or something, but it kinda of pans over there and he's like twisting the radio and it tunes into station and then he like switches it and I don't know. I didn't it,
1: even think of that. But this is pre Beatles. I could see
0: that though. I mean, yeah.
1: This but, is way pre Beatles though.
2: The soundtrack just seemed uh, not only the soundtrack, but the way that mixed in with the actual sound design of the film, I thought was extremely modern.
1: That was Paul's inspiration. We'll get we'll get our good friend of the show, Paul McCartney, on to uh, later discuss that. I um, mean, we'll just
0: we might as well just get Ringo too. Yeah. Just, you know. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Burn. Uh, one other thing about the the song I'd like to touch on is that his apartment does also serve as the. Uh, Location for Hitchcock's famous uh, cameo. I don't know if you guys yeah. caught that, but yeah. when he he's playing it was the him. piano, yeah,
2: that cracked me up. He said the weirdest look on his face,
0: <laughs> and it doesn't like fit like because normally this guy's like having parties and like women and like I guess, I guess like record producers over, but like he's just playing for Hitchcock, and Hitchcock looks disgusted, and he's like <laughs> moving his clock and shit. It's so weird. Like, that might have been
1: like I thought like maybe his manager or like. Something like that, like Agent or something.
0: You got to make it, kid. We a hit record. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but he has that classic, like, ooh,
0: like Hitchcock face look.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of his thing, right? He's, he Round. cameos his movies.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, much like QT. Another yeah. another thing, QT borrowed. At borrowed, least he doesn't right.
2: give himself any lines and just kind of looks like Oh, any, like
0: QT in uh, Pulp Fiction? Yeah, he
2: doesn't give himself the N-word to say. <laughs>
3: Does, <laughs> he yeah. doesn't write it in for himself That's maybe that favorite, would have been
0: better though. then maybe it would have been more exciting <laughs> we'll know he well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the one neighbor that we haven't touched on I think is the dog owner uh, who this movie has a dog die does someone want to oh, talk yeah. through that real quick while I burp off camp mic <laughs> uh, no, now everyone
1: knows you're burping off mic uh, <laughs> well so was the dog dying ever explained?
0: yeah, I think I so mean, what, what's your theory then Josh? like well, not
2: yeah, I think they kind of explained it pretty thoroughly in that um, the dog, you know, there's they kept calling it a ham bone, but that was a euphemism for a human bone being buried in the flower bed, and the dog was kind of sniffing at it, and as soon as the Mr. Thib... What's his name? Thibidor? the bad Thorwald. Thorwald. Thorwald.
0: Thorwald. Yeah. Thorwald. Thorwald sees Thorwald. him getting in there,
2: and... <laughs> He kills the puppy and moves the bone. Wait, does it show him kill the puppy?
0: No. No, this also happens off camera. There's no, that's another uh, no good point that I have written down yeah. for later. There's no yeah. violence at all. This movie's rated PG on camera, although the dialogue is really disgusting and edgy.
1: It's, it's rated PG. That's interesting. I would definitely think at least 13, maybe? I don't know. I guess
0: maybe today. It wasn't
1: terrible, though. And I, they probably didn't have G back then either.
2: Yeah, the only violence I can remember is just kind of his hands around his throat, kind of in that end scene, um, and yeah. then falling, falling off the building. But you're right, there's no, no one shooting or stabbing anyone on screen, but there's talk of draining blood in a bathtub, and there's talk of cutting up a body and putting parts around the city, and yeah, yeah. Uh, and there, and Blood there was, splattering yeah yeah and just the fact that he's looking outside his door at a lady in their underwear underwear like showering <laughs> Shirt, you know yeah, shirtless
0: at times from the back but yeah 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 still.
2: i mean it's gotta have been pretty edgy for back then
0: and even the moments of tension uh with lisa breaking into his apartment are i genuinely cause anxiety even if you know what's going to happen even if it's yeah. 60 years later it's like Get out of there! What are you doing? You know, like yeah. you can't help but it, like. It's classic. Well, and I think yeah. the reason I love
1: th- this movie so much and a lot of older movies that are well done are because they play out like a play, but not a boring play. I mean, it's a, it's a, a play in a time box, like a, a two-hour time box, and I really like the sets and the bottle episode and and where the acting and and writing actually have to come too. It does. It's not just a bunch of explosions and, and special effects. So I really like how these older movies are set, like almost like a play set. And I think, Pappy, you touched on how it's a bottle episode. Um, but I think that draws to the the anxiety, as you were saying, of, like, um, um, what's-her-face, uh, uh, Lisa, breaking in and, and and trying to find, like, evidence and stuff. And watching the salesman, like, tiptoe up the stairs and coming back and you're just, like, freaking out. Like, get out of there, get out of there, get out of there. Um, but I think that plays to it, and I think that is really cool, fun to watch.
2: Yeah, the, the choreographing that went into this pretty intense. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Scenes going on within scenes and just like the pan across mm-hmm. at the beginning that Vince touched on to get everyone kind of on their cues and doing the right thing at the right time. It's pretty crazy. Um, I don't know if we want to get too into that end scene yet that Pappy was ta- talking yeah, about. Yeah, go for but... it. Yeah, well, I, mean, yeah. I, I think that's got to be the marquee scene of the movie for multiple reasons. It really cashes in on you know, you're in his apartment from his apartment's point of view the whole time.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: He's, he's got his leg broken. He can't move. And it spends like a whole hour and 40 minutes trapping you in his apartment. And then for that moment where you can see her from his apartment getting assaulted. And it's just, man, the, the way you can feel that perspective is pretty unique in this movie.
0: And the way Hitchcock sets up all of his shots, it's almost like the same... You never get the same two shots out of his rear window somehow, even though literally 100% of the movie takes place in this one little setting. Like, yeah. He'll put a little bit of the window in the foreframe and something in the background. Then he'll have like one that's like perfectly zoomed in on the window across the street. Then he'll have one that's pulled back a little bit where you're getting side buildings, maybe other windows. Um, there's also like a little teeny tiny sliver of... Uh, of the main road and you can see see down a bar. bar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like a little detail like that. Just like enriches, he like hyper details, a super small setting rather than going broad and, you know, maybe losing some of those details, which I like.
2: And I like how James Stewart himself has kind of three different fields of view. And that is, you know, with his own eyes and then kind of zoomed in with the binoculars and then with his camera, like really zoomed in. So it gives you like three different fields to play with, and yeah, that's pretty.
0: Unique well, don't well. forget about red dot flash view, dude. That's, <laughs> that's
1: <laughs> yeah, that's d- so silly. Vince, Vince nothing more disarming part. than a red dot flash. My oh, <laughs> such a. Uh, let's just get to the ending, yeah. So I think that's what you're talking about mm-hmm. is the flashing. Go ahead, you spoil that ending.
0: Sure. Yeah. So
1: I want to hear it. Yeah.
0: So, so what happens is that we've, we have the iconic scene that Josh mentioned, and the way that they escape that is uh, Jimmy Stewart calls the cops. Grace Kelly gets ar- arrested for breaking and entering. Um, but inadvertently, uh, the bad guy, uh, the, uh, the salesman, Lars, looks out the window and sees Jimmy for the first time. Now They make that dreaded eye contact. Yeah, which is the first time in the whole movie that anyone spotted uh, Jeff. Uh, in his voyeurism so it's almost like this sort of like glass shattering moment where it's like it's not just you watching a movie of these people's lives it's a two-way street now for the first time so but then uh thorwald thorwald does something which i don't understand is he's able to call stewart's apartment uh immediately after stewart calls uh his good buddy the the cop uh, lieutenant tom and Jimmy inadvertently says, Thorwald's on to me. He might be coming this way or something uh, to yeah. an empty phone line, which didn't make sense to me. That was a huge plot fail, right?
1: Wait, no, because, well, there's probably no such thing as redial in
0: 1954, is there? If there, if there was, he would have done it, the, it right away, I thought.
2: He looked up Thorwald's address earlier, and gets his number, and he... But how does
0: Thorwald get his
2: well, you see him leave as a, after the dreaded eye contact. You see Thorwald kind of ominously leave his his flat. And, you know, Jimmy Stewart's talking for a while. And then, like you said, he hangs up the phone and gets the call. So I assumed he was on a payphone or something outside the building. But, yeah, he got that number a little quick. Very quick. Let's face it. A lot of things at the end happen pretty quick. The confession. Rushed. The confession and all the details that come out minutes no not
0: even (laughs) within the same
2: minute yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) and and i think uh roger ebert actually pointed this out in his review too but at this point it's like i don't really feel that bad for thorwald even though he's committed a murder like jimmy stewart's like prank calling him and ding dong ditching him and breaking (laughs) into his apartment and stealing his wife's wedding rings like Dude, and dude's like, I don't have any money. Like, why didn't you just turn me in when you had the chance? So, I mean, maybe he's at a breaking point mentally, but it also doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to just blow your cover like that after you just got away with it.
1: Well, well, okay. So have we touched the scene where?
0: No, sorry. So he comes over to the yeah. apartment. He's, he, he sees where Jimmy Stewart is and is able to piece together what building floor and door that would correlate with. Uh, and phone number, apparently. And phone number. It opens <laughs> the unlocked apartment and, uh, uh, Jeff Jeffries, the ever photographer, uh, uses his camera flash as his last defense. So he's loading up a new bulb, lighting the flash, and temporarily blinding Thorwald. Uh, and Hitchcock represents this with a big goofy red circle. <laughs> oh, and it's so screen. lame that
1: that's his like defense mechanism of like after one, you could get him with one flash done. But then like grab a knife and defend yourself. But there's never gonna be a second flash that's gonna like deter a, a criminal coming after you trying to kill you. Like that's
2: five flashes where he stops him dead in his tracks. With I, a that flash. was so dumb. He just stops and rubs his eyes. Yeah, he like... stops.
1: He he stands still for like three seconds, rubs his eyes, then like gathers himself and starts yeah. walking again.
0: At <laughs> least we forget the entire community was just on their balcony, like. 10 minutes ago dealing with the police situation in Thorwald's apartment if he starts screaming like dude people can see in your apartment dude <laughs> like we've just demonstrated that well i think that's kind of an interesting thing that
2: i was kind of like wishing they would cut to would be an outside perspective on what his window yeah. looked like and, you know, how easy is it to see him from the courtyard, from across the street? At night. He kind of backs his wheelchair up into this area where, like, you can see the shadow kind of go over his face. And I guess mm-hmm. you're supposed to think that he's hidden there. But I don't know if I was buying that throughout the whole movie. Well,
1: and then once Thorwald finally gets there, he starts strangling him. And then what's the wrestle that gets him over the, uh, the ledge of the window?
0: so basically the, it's like a bane batman body slam that goes wrong <laughs> yeah and then he
1: flies out the window and he's holding on yeah. to him and just like throws him out and luckily the cops are standing there and the cops basically break his fall two policemen like catch him as he's falling it looks like no one really gets hurt in that scenario and then like the next scene is like it cuts to like all the people commotion standing around him and they're like yep thorwald just uh just <laughs> um confessed to everything uh, he's going to jail glad you're okay Old Jeffrey, and it's like what, yeah. like what? You can't just skip over. He told him where that. all the like,
2: Bobby parts were. I, I hated yeah. that
1: part so much because the previous hour and forty-seven minutes were so, so, so good.
2: And this is also the scene where the movie dates itself a little bit with its two pieces of special effects. That big goofy red dot for the flash, yeah. and, and then the when falling. he falls out the window, there's some <laughs> serious green screen.
1: There's something
0: action going on. It looks bizarre.
1: It looks really not. It looks fake, yeah.
0: Yeah. So we basically gotten through the whole movie and touched on the main spoilers. I do have a couple, di- quote-unquote, discussion questions for uh, extra credit for you guys. Um, well, I have a discussion question for you, Pappy. Ooh. You like to break these things
2: into acts. Did Did you have a clear first act and second act, third act?
0: Um, Maybe, because definitely for the first 30 minutes, you're only getting exposition but i like the way that we learn about the side characters because you're, you're showing not telling and then we're getting the the other main players who i mentioned one by one so i would say 30 minutes in up until when jimmy stewart falls asleep and hears the scream that's basically act one then we get the conflict and then i guess maybe act three would be uh that the night of the final stakeout when she goes over because then everything that sort of happens so fast like we touched on i mean yeah it's
2: a pretty short That
0: middle part is the investigation but it's it wasn't as clear to me for this one did you have any opinions on that uh
2: i thought maybe the first act ended when he breaks up with her that first night um what a fool she kind of leaves and then he wakes up and he's kind of like dealing with how he broke up with her and that was when I think it kind of moved beyond that plot. I mean, I don't know. I I I could be convinced to what you said, and you're exactly right. The third act, pretty short compared, like the second act's a big, huge thing, and third act is kind of all fits within a like ten minute, fifteen minute time period.
0: Well, and that's the thing too. And maybe we'll we'll touch on this during yes or no's, but and I do want to touch on these discussion questions first. But maybe the reason. We're at it we're at a a two hour runtime pretty much, so I don't know how much more we can get in that third act without pulling away from the second act to still have a reasonable runtime for this thriller and I mean frankly I guess like there's just too many excuse me, I think there's too many loose ends to tie up, but I mean there's too much tension built up and th- that the payoff can actually live up to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. This movie's definitely about
2: the tension first and foremost, I believe, and that whole using camera point of view to set that up like I talked about
0: earlier. Okay, so just to get into, I quickly touch on a couple of these uh, points that I had thought of and then in, in subsequent Googling had saw, but I thought I was being real smart when I thought of this, but then like the first thing I Googled, basically, yeah, laid out this theory like 20 times. It was, oh, it's common knowledge that. But basically each of the neighbors represent um, a different possible outcome for uh, Jeff Jeffrey's love. So Miss Lonely Heart is a scenario where he is alone and doesn't fall in love with anybody. Um, Miss Torso represents, you know, sort of trying to advance her career by, by schmoozing up to people. And then uh, ultimately she does have a, a nerdy, boyfriend who comes home from the war and then uh most poignantly is the newlyweds who at first are very much in love but then the husband keeps trying to get away from his newlywed wed wife and uh, is always looking out the window trying to get like a, a drag of a cigarette um what do you guys think about that sort of theory that the main point of the movie is the psychosis of this main character and the stress that he's under and then seeing the relationship paths that he's on with Lisa sort of playing out in his neighbors.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that goes back to when you asked about the the main characters within the bottle of his apartment or condo or whatever. I said, like, I thought the main theme was everyone was like, hey, you gotta get married stupid. And I've never heard this uh, theory you just threw out there, and I think that actually this is the first time I've ever seen this movie. Um, But that makes a lot of sense. I think it plays into that. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I actually like that theory a lot, and if you think about it, you go across each window pane and you could like put him in that spot, I suppose.
2: Yeah. That's kind of a tough sell for me because I don't think he ends up like any of the other windows. To me, it more seemed like he was looking at all the bad parts of relationships and all the heartaches that yeah. the relationships cause more so than this is outcome A, this is outcome B. Mm-hmm. And maybe in the, in the second watch, that could be... More
0: clear, I guess. Well, I mean, you you do have Miss Lonely Heart hooking up with the piano guy, so that's kind of kind of maybe the outcome that he chooses in end being happy together. But sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you didn't interrupt me at all. Was that actually the piano guy
2: down there? I thought that was just a random young dude.
0: Oh, no. So I guess we should say yeah, Miss Lonely Heart gets super lit, goes out to the bar that you can see through the alley, and picks up a random dude who even... I mean, I noticed it, and then it's explicitly stated too. Is like super young, yeah, and he gets kind of handsy with her. Very um, much, very much yeah. handsy.
1: This and was then, after her laying out yeah. a bunch of pills and not taking them, this right, is, dude? That's this a is pretty, before. yeah, this for is P, going back to like the PG. That was still a pretty crazy thing to do.
0: Yeah. So her her little timeline is she she's alone. She's she's really crazy. Like she's probably one of the most interesting of the neighbors because. At one point, like you'll you'll have like two to three minute cutaway scenes where you're you're maybe getting a shot of Jimmy Stewart's face in between, but they're just a reaction shot. Yeah, but they're just is the the film is focusing on her loneliness, and she's having a fake date with someone at one point. That was pretty disturbing. Always drinking. Yeah, Uh, but (laughs) all is well that ends well. She doesn't commit suicide because she hears the beautiful music coming from the songwriter's apartment of his almost finished song. And then at the very end of the movie, you see her uh, listening to the record that he just finished with him. So she kind of has a nice character arc for a a random, basically non-speaking character. Yeah, definitely. Um, So one other discussion question that I had was... uh, One of the things this reminded me of is uh, a lot of the privacy debate that we see in politics today, like with the NSA. and, And Jeffries has this line... Uh, and I, and I do, do any of you guys do a good Jimmy Stewart? Because I certainly no, do. No, no I, I don't, don't do
1: impressions. Yeah,
0: <laughs> you sure, Vince? I've, I've heard it, dude. It's not bad. Yeah, sure right. You? <laughs> right.
1: You're not talking me into trying that. You heard my <laughs> Bill Burr earlier, and it's uh, pretty bad.
0: Oh, wait. Hey, yeah, I guess we should move on from that. So, the, yeah, but <laughs> so Jeffrey says there's a lot of private stuff going on out there. I wonder if it's ethical to watch a man with binoculars and a long focus lens. Do you think it's ethical, even if you can prove he didn't commit a crime? Um, And I guess, do you draw any parallels with the debate in politics today? Not to, like, take a side or anything, but...
1: Uh, Me, no. I mean, privacy has always been, like, kind of human nature, I guess. Uh, I think it's, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I see what you're saying.
2: I think it's interesting how they were worried about this so long ago, when it seems like such a modern... Uh, yeah, relevant thing on on the docket today that he had a long lens and binoculars. Now we have, you know, hackings and webcam hidden cameras, like that sort of thing. So um, it, it's kind of disturbing that the, we think of that as such a modern problem, but no, I mean, they, she quoted a Reader's Digest that was like from 1939 where they talk about voyeurism as well. Um, Mm -hmm. the mother figure so to speak so clearly people have been concerned about being watched and seen inside their homes for a long time I thought that was pretty interesting
0: Yeah. well well Paramount I know you're listening so here's my pitch to reboot this, not Disturbia not a Christopher Reeves uh, television remake of this movie which have both been done what we need is an Edward Snowden uh, rear computer window Windows. Boo. Yeah, i might have to and put some boo on mind. that like right away. <laughs> well, speaking of boos, that's all I got from the movie. Anything else that we missed or anything other notes that you had? Oh, you we probably
1: missed it. a shit ton, didn't we? That's
0: what we do here. No, I think but. that we completely said everything there is to say about a Hitchcock film. We, yep, you know, <laughs> you're so smart. <laughs> we Give us our doctorate, that. baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
2: I, again, I just would like to hit on that feeling of you really feel trapped in that apartment by the end of the movie because of the angles they use. and um, I thought it was pretty interesting. If anything's outside of the apartment, they just use the same angle but zoomed in. When they're actually inside the, the apartment, it almost kind of shocks you when they'll do like an overhead view of the main characters looking at something over a table because you almost don't expect to ever move from the window. It's really bizarre psychology that the cameras play on you
1: in this oh, movie. Oh, you longs in your psychology. <laughs> Every time.
0: <laughs> Alright, so let's go ahead and do our yes or no. So we'll 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 try this. Uh cross your fingers boys. Um go ahead and pull up Stevie's review and then we'll listen to it while you at home listen to it. Uh he left this again by calling to nine oh three seven seven six four five zero seven.
3: Pat you really gotta fix that voicemail. It's just I don't know how drunk you were when you were doing that, but it is not great. Uh, anyway, just thought I'd give it a quick review of your window. Um, pretty good movie. Um, definitely, uh, i give us a yes. Um, Alfred Hitchcock does a great job of building suspense. Princess Grace Kelly and, uh, Jimmy Stewart had awesome chemistry all the way throughout. Um, pretty cool story. Alfred Hitchcock does a really good job of kind of bringing you in the mental psyche that, of Jimmy Stewart's. And, um, the only thing I, I guess I really did not like about this movie was the very end. It was kind of too quick and tidy. Um, especially with the, I guess the main villain just like fessing up to it in 10 seconds after the police get in there, as well as the military guy coming back into Mrs. Torso's, uh, apartment. And he's just, I don't know. It just, the ending was kind of weird, but overall, definite yes. Good movie. Happy that Pappy picked it. And, uh, I'll see you guys when I'm back from the cruise. Peace. <laughs> he's
0: drunk
1: oh he's cruise life i get
0: like 10 voicemails a day like this <laughs> i believe you so that's a yes for stevie uh josh and vince what did what did you guys think josh first i agree yes um it's always refreshing when you haven't
2: seen a hitchcock movie for a long time to check one out holds up just stupidly well for being a 63 year old movie it's unreal um hmm the Disney ending comes out of nowhere and doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but I don't think it ruins the movie. It it just kind of puts a bow on what was an excellent, you know, roller coaster of emotion leading up to that final drop when Grace Kelly's in the apartment across the street. Um, give this a very
0: hard yes.
1: Ooh, so hard, Ooh. Vince. Yeah, I'll jump right into that. Yes, that's three yeses. Uh, this movie is really, really good. Uh, Stevie touched on the suspense. Beautifully shot. I uh, like any movie that's set like a play, um, as Josh was saying. It's nice to revisit Hitchcock's uh, film if 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 it's been a while. Like I feel like every time I come back, I I'm very happy that I did it. Uh, going off Josh again, I think it holds up very well. Um, like this is a movie I feel like I could show Knock on Wood my kids in 20 years. I don't think I would have kids in 20 years, but you know, like theoretically. Um, and I think they, it would still hold up in twenty years, kind of thing. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Uh, worst ending of all time. Um, I think if the wow. ending. <laughs> that's, that's wow. not of all True. time. Not of all time. <laughs> I'm, being, I'm being sarcastic <laughs> a little bit, exaggerating, I suppose. It, the ending was so poor, though. Uh, I, I think I think if the ending had the same kind of quality as the rest of the film, it's a perfect ten. Um, but. With that being said, it's an absolute yes. I love this movie, really well done.
2: And just jumping in really quick, the ending—I think Pappy would agree with me. If you never really knew if that guy committed murder or not, and the movie ended, I think I would have been fine with that.
1: Oh, it'd be so good, right? I think, like, I like cliffhangers. I would agree with that.
0: So one thing, actually, quickly, just to to touch on that, and we we may cut this out, but I'm going to put someone on blast: Steve Benedict of the <laughs> Steve Benedict Project has a podcast where if you actually search uh, Rear Window, it's the number one podcast that comes up. It's about 10 minutes long, and all he does is lay out this thesis that the whole fucking thing's a dream. And I didn't get that no, at all. No. No. I haven't heard anything to confirm that. You, are you, you guys are on the same boat then? That's yeah. Stupid. I say
1: no, but I mean you can interpret any, you can interpret literally any movie as some kind of dream. Well, he, it's, that's he's stupid. saying
0: that, that Jeffries falls asleep in key moments always before like... Violence or something that's like integral to the plot. Ooh, Pap, then... you want to hear
1: something about dreams though? Since we yeah, so dude. me and Pappy saw Raw Friday night. So this was two nights ago from when we're recording now. This episode's mm-hmm. already up. Um I've been having crazy nightmares since then, dude. I don't know about you. Not to like no, totally dude. pivot this. <laughs> but I've had I've had these really crazy nightmares that are like tied into the intu int- intus-
0: I'll go ahead and cut you off there because you need to be institutionalized yes, yes, (laughs) never mind never mind No, I haven't had any crazy dreams and you you do see Raw and listen to our podcast on it but that's almost the thing that I like about Raw is why I think this is absolutely infinitely more brilliant because you don't see any of the violence Hitchcock, the master of suspense self-proclaimed makes you imagine the violence and that is always better. It's always more effective. Yeah. It always sticks with you more. Um, he's the one who said it gives him the most perfect cinematic or personal satisfaction, and it's the most cinematic of his films. I would agree with him. Um, I think that the shots that you get over the back window, honestly, it reminds me of like YouTube or Periscope or even like. Uh, direct tv package with 150 channels where you are sort of flipping in between different people's lives yeah but even more so in social media like i think this film is going to become more relevant today even given the privacy things that we touched on um but that being said while you have all these high concept themes it also does work as a psychological thriller so the hardest of yeses for me yeah. um the lighting and imagination make this a technically great movie from a production perspective um I think it's a perfect movie and that makes this movie preserved. All yeses boys.
2: Oh yeah. Much very preserved.
0: Well, let's go ahead and uh, try and get through this, uh, trivia. I once oh, again boy. thought my friends would come out and be on my podcast, but I was mistaken. <laughs> so I over prepared. And today's trivia game is called Shia La Bluff as mm. in a lie. And, uh, So as, I don't know if Stevie mentioned this or if we touched on this at all on the podcast, but uh, Disturbia is a modern day remake of the Rear Window Concepts by Shia LaBeouf. So I have 52 quotes in front of me. Uh, 26 of them are from Shia LaBeouf. 26 of them are from other people. Um, last man standing. What the heck? We'll go. Three strikes, you're out. These are actual quotes that were said by these actual <laughs> celebrities. Um, like I said, three strikes, you're out. But here's the caveat: if it was not said, excuse me, if it was not said by Shia LaBeouf, you can correctly identify the celebrity who actually said this you will have a walk-off win. Okay.
1: Huh. Okay, so when you say celebrity, do you mean in a movie or just uh, quote like by TMZ? This is there something some
0: they said like in an interview or they tweeted gotcha. or something that they said in their personal lives? Oh, um,
1: jeebus! Okay, three strikes you are out. Let's do this thing.
0: All right, Josh, you'll go first since you hosted more recently. Um, the first quote, when I'm hungry, I eat. When I'm thirsty, I drink. When I feel like saying something, I say it. Was that Shia LaBeouf or somebody else?
2: Wow. I'm going to say it's somebody else.
0: And do you have a guess? Just go ahead and say your guess for that person when you...
2: Wow, that's really a drop in the bucket.
0: Uh, You can pass, too, if you want.
2: I'm going to say it's a female... uh, I'll just say say Rosie O'Donnell. i totally (laughs) off, but hey, let's go (laughs) go down swinging.
0: Oh, my gosh. You are correct in that it was not Shia LaBeouf, but the source was Madonna. Madonna ah, said that. Uh, Vince Intern. The most loving thing you can do is to share your bed with someone. Oh. The most loving thing you can do is to share your bed with someone. That's LaBeouf. That Shia LaBeouf or The Field? It's LaBeouf? Yeah. I'm sorry, that was Michael Jackson. That's a Michael Jackson Fantastic
1: Ooh. Michael Jackson quote. Ooh. Jeez Louise. <laughs>
2: Hey, that actually touches on the movie a little bit. Um apparently if you have a lady stay over, you have to tell the landlord in the 50s.
0: I tell my landlord every time I have a lady stayover, so I'm so far <laughs> well, that's zero more for like zero. Peppy
2: doesn't have to talk to his landlord too much.
0: I'm batting a thousand on zero percent. So uh, <laughs> back to Josh. Yep, yep, yep. Vince has one strike. Uh <laughs> the quote is <clears throat> probably the sexiest woman I know is my mother.
2: That's gotta be Shia
0: LaBeouf. Correct. Yes. <laughs> back to Vince with one oh, strike. Boy. It's good filmmaking when you don't have to say anything and you can still tell the story.
2: Why does it sound like Pappy's halfway, <laughs> halfway <laughs> laughing?
1: <laughs> yeah, dude, I feel like that's was LaBeouf because you're halfway laughing, but I wasn't going to say that originally.
0: All right, we'll give that to you. I'll, I'll try and tighten it up a little bit. Uh, back to you, Josh. Wait,
1: <laughs> hey, was that it's... LaBeouf? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was the buff. Okay, okay. I feel like I has
0: got a freebie, but I'm taking it. Yeah. Back to you, Josh. I talk so much about sex that girls just want to meet me. Oh God.
2: I'm gonna say that's not Shia LaBeouf, and I'm gonna say mm. that's like. Uh, are are these all actors and actresses, or is it any? Celebrity? Uh, they've all
0: appeared in TV and film, but they're they're all like well known celebrities, especially in our group thread. I'll say like John Lennon. No, I'm sorry. That was not Charlie Buff, but it was Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. Okay, said yeah. That said that.
2: Sure. Uh, back
0: to you, Josh. It's easy to. Or, no, no, sorry. it's me, back right? To you, it's Vince. Me. Yeah. Back to you, Vince. It's easy to fall for someone on set, but in the end, you know, it's a representative. It's not really them. Buff. Correct.
1: <sighs> that was nervous. That, I felt like I was watching rear window. My palms are sweaty. <laughs> Josh,
0: your quote is pretty simple when you think about it. Don't fuck up.
2: Huh.
1: I'm so bad at quotes.
2: I'm going to say that's not... Uh, no, I'm going to say that's Shia LaBeouf. Yeah.
0: He pivots on his own answer for his own benefit. Correct. Yes. you set one, Vince strike to zero, Josh strikes at question number nine. Back to Vince. All the things that have happened in my life have been self-propelled. I can't blame anybody else or point a finger at anybody. <laughs> And these were randomly uh, sorted by Excel.
1: I'm going to say someone else.
0: And you guess like for that person? Yeah, it would be.
1: Every single someone else is going to be uh, Will Smith's crazy little kid.
2: <laughs> Jaden? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was
1: Jaden Smith.
0: It's <laughs> a good thought, but I'm sorry that's incorrect. That was Shia Buff. Here are oh, two
1: strikes. Two strikes? Joke. Joke I can't sp- do these quotes. I'm so bad at them.
0: Joking poke, split and get Vince, uh, Josh with zero strikes. I turned down a scholarship to Yale. The problem with college is that there's a tendency to mistake preparation for productivity. You can prepare all you want, but you never roll the dice and you'll never be successful. But if you never roll the dice, you'll never be successful. Excuse
2: me. Man, that sounds douchey enough that Shia would say yeah. it, but I'm gonna all say is- I'm gonna say that was like Natalie Portman, not Shia LaBeouf. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry, it's your first strike that was shy above. Okay. 2-1. 2-1. Okay. One. One. All right. Vince, you need this to stay alive. I need all these.
2: Swing and a miss. Let's get
0: it. <laughs> I'm full of fears, and I do my best to avoid difficulties and any kind of complications. I like everything around me to be clear as crystal and completely calm. I'm full of fears and difficulties, and complications. I like everything around me to be clear as <laughs> crystal and completely calm. That is a fucking tongue twister. Dude, you cool? can't read. I don't
1: know. You can't read. That's not LaBeouf.
0: And who was it? Um Jaden
2: Smith.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like the consistency, but you are correct. That was not uh LaBeouf, <sighs> but that was Alfred Hitchcock, the director oh, wow. of the film. <laughs> wow. Uh Josh, back to you with zero strikes. I have won. one. Strike. Better off flying. Sorry? Oh, one strike? Yeah. yeah. It's one to one two to, one to two. Yeah. You're, quote, you're better off buying a fucking motorcycle and joining the Hells Angels than joining Twitter and finding community there. But this is what we do. Uh, I'm going to say it's LeBuff. <laughs>
1: that sounds douchey enough, dude. It <laughs> sounds like right, LaBeouf.
0: <laughs> He's been, well, I don't know, let's go say that. I was gonna say, yeah, you're right. I ran out of LaBeouf puns long Lebeuft. time ago. I've <laughs> uh, been Back to Vince. When golf... <laughs> when golf used to be a rich man sport If you were poor You could not set foot on a course When golf used to be a rich man sport If you were poor You could not set foot on the course
1: <sighs> Not LaBeouf
0: And it was Jaden Smith <laughs> right. I'm sorry You've been eliminated I Three knew strikes. it oh, Dude, That was LaBeouf ah. yeah. I'll never uh, host so again Ja- yeah um, vince is delayed yet again sorry vince. It's, be
1: d- it's okay i'm bad at these games it's my fault
0: <laughs> so vince we'll give josh a second to think about the movie that'll pick um let's go ahead and go through our plugs if you want to tweet us it's oh at spoilers underscore pod it's podcast spoilers at gmail.com our website is by the same name podcastspoilers.com, and we have an instagram now right vince
1: yeah and it's also the same name podcast spoilers so uh look us up on there we're gonna try to I guess uh, message out like uh, new movies we're seeing and stuff, so you can kind of see like oh they're at this uh, movie, and then you could look forward to the episode to come.
2: It's good stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. Did we? Uh, is there anything else? Oh, we also have a hotline bling. We had this hotline bling, um, oh, yeah. which Stevie, actually, our our uh, co-producer, called in to give his review. Um, so this is through the hotline. Sure, bling he did. At, yeah, <laughs> 903-776-4507-903-777 six four five zero seven standard data and messaging apply um and uh it spells spoil somewhere in there so you know if you want to figure that out go for it if not just give us a ring
2: don't we get like a dollar and a half a minute every time someone calls
1: (laughs) it's like a sex hotline and we're making a ton of money on this hotline that's not true we'll edit that out
0: (laughs) (laughs) and the best thing you need to help the podcast is search for movie spoilers on itunes click on our the cereal bowl and leave us a review of any number of stars We'll read it on the air uh Whatever you say, so it can be something nice, something negative, or just straight up hate speech. We'll say it. So it's the internet. This we'll is do your it. chance. Yeah. <laughs>
1: wow. So Joshua, yeah. do you got anything for us?
2: I do. Um, hopefully, this is a movie no one's seen. I hadn't Ooh. heard of it until today. Uh, this this kind of uh, call out to my pops. um. He said he saw this movie with Marlon Brando and Jack Nicholson in it.
0: He saw a movie with Marlon Brando and Jack. Did he sit next to them, or were they just different?
2: Oh, it's a manner of speaking, Pat. Oh, sorry. we got to hurry up. I mean, that music's playing right now. we got to get out of this. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, what's the movie? Yeah. <laughs> this is 1976, uh, The Missouri Breaks. I know very little about this film, except it has those two in it, and it's a western so hopefully my brother can get back in here.
0: Um, all the, the long, all, every Christ. single long loves
1: a Western. That is the most amazing thing <laughs> of all time. Oh so, my gosh, it's like your guys' like, stamp. Like, oh, I love that, I love that.
2: It's an older movie, but you know what? It's 22, 22 years more recent than uh, Rear Window. So we're still moving forward in time. But yeah, <laughs> 1976.
1: Oh, another Western. I love it so much
0: driving that spoilers bus up that was spoilers math teacher bye Mark math baby <laughs>